is speaking educationally with uh, Doug, Dina, and Gerard. Where I'm coming from. Fifteen years into education now, you know what can I do to create this equitable space? And like, you know what? Especially for those students um, that look like me and that came from uh, my community, I wanted to be an influencer for them, like for young people. Connect with more people whose mindset and goals. All right, this is speaking educationally with. Uh, Doug, Dina, and Gerard. All right, this is episode 13, I believe. I don't know if we have a title yet, but I know we have a special guest, and we'll get to that person in a second. But as customary, we usually talk about what we've been up to lately. Um, Dina and Gerard, I don't know who wants to take it first. I can go. What are you guys thinking? You got something you want to share with the folks? Um, well, first off, could we start every episode off with Gerard saying, let's rock? Because yeah, I think like we it. did that. I know. And it's like, it, it just, I feel like it starts us off in, in a certain way. So we got to start off every episode with Gerard saying, let's rock. All right. Absolutely. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, nothing much going on here. Just I've managed to, um, I, I got out of my comfort zone and actually decided I was going to plant something this year. I've had plants and flowers going and nothing has died yet. So I'm really Sweet. excited about that. That's awesome. How about you, Gerard? You got anything you want to share with people? Um, nothing much. Just um, getting outside, exercising. We're walking and doing some things as a family and finally got my son upgraded to a bigger bike. So getting him to be able to handle that because uh, that little bike with the training wheels as a first grader, he was outgrowing that. So I, I tried to take the wheels off and I'm like, he's still too big for it. So I had to do what I had to do and just just family time and trying to digest everything that's going on. You, you were doing the same stuff that I've been doing. We went on the Jack Markell Trail. If you haven't done that yet, you, you just park at my school and then take the Jack Markell Trail. It's right around there. It's five miles into Wilmington, the riverfront, and then five miles back. And we did it on Sunday, and it's pretty flat. It is so much fun because it's just easy. There's lots of cool things to look at and stuff. So Nice. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to do that before the end of the week. Oh, yeah. No, come on down to Carry Down. Just park right next to it. It's actually you park at Newcastle Elementary, but it's right outside Old Newcastle. It's pretty, it's really nice. It's nice and wide. It's all paved. It's easy for the kids. You can go as far as you want, or I mean, you can go a quarter mile and turn around and go back. It's, it's cool. Nice. All right. Yeah, check it out. All right. We have a special guest. We have Justin Slider tonight. And uh, Justin uh, gets no introduction, but we do want him to talk about himself for a little while. So, Justin, can you take it from there and tell us? what you've been up to and who you are. Sure. I, I love sitting around for three minutes listening to you talk. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thanks for that. It's like sitting in a Zoom meeting room waiting for somebody to call on you. Let me in, please. Um, so my name's Justin. I'm a phys ed and health teacher in Lawrence, New Jersey right now. I teach fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Uh, cisgender, white, heterosexual, grew up Jewish, still consider myself Jewish. Uh, I won the fifth grade chess championship. I used to bite my toenails. Um, I had the unibrow before it was cool. Um, I used to read books at parties and uh, I brushed my teeth multiple times a day. So that's nice. all about me. Well, we just, we brought Justin here to talk about one particular topic, but I think we're going to go in a different direction uh, tonight just because of the most recent events that have happened over the past week or so. We kind of, talked to Justin a while ago and thought we would talk about one thing, but things have changed a little bit. So I got two questions down there. I don't know if we want to start with the one. One of the things we talked about pre-show was a lot of people coming out um, all of a sudden and trying to be allies and or co-conspirators. I know, Gerard, maybe you want to talk about this first, about your frustration around some of the edgy celebrities or other people, maybe even more locally that, that you've spoken to or talked with um, where you just questioned their, their motives or anything you want to throw out there or questions you got about that? Yeah. My, my biggest thing is it's already a huge undertaking because we see that things are broken and we have, we can't move forward with the same things that are hindering us back as a nation and as a community so that we can all come together for the better good. But, the problem is 
everybody's trying to rush to this is what we need to do on education. Um, if you're a white educator, these are the five, 10 books you should be read. Like not putting it that way, but after the, the long paragraph, the long tweet or the long Facebook post, that's how it's coming across. And that's not a good look for educators. Um, and I don't know if you want me to get into now about my suggestions on the edu celebrities. You, like you, what you mentioned earlier, I don't know if it was on Voxer, or I think it was on Voxer about what you think should, because you talked about one person in particular or somebody that you saw that put out like 30 book lists. It was like, that's just too much. Yeah, I, I think what they need to do is this is not the time to make it about you or your brand. Basically, because some people that's putting that out there, they're really not involved in equity or cultural competence work. So I understand what your brand, you still want to be a resource. But what you need to do is while educate others while educating yourself, for example, pick one good resource out there that you can delve into, possibly do a book study with those around you, as well as if you work in a building or a district and you know that you don't have a lot of allies or the greatest relationship with those black educators in that district or in that school, those should be your first line of contact rather than going on Facebook or Twitter to make yourself seem like you're the expert because this is new to a lot of white educators because they really haven't had to deal with this. It was something they was able to push off, but now it's in the forefront. The same way you don't want to um, overwhelm your students in the classroom, let's not overwhelm our white counterparts because let's be honest, our white counterparts in our schools, yes, they need some growth in a lot of areas, but they weren't the ones out out there at police officers doing what they were doing, but a lot of things in their own personal lives or things they didn't have to deal with add to those biases where we need to tear some of those biases down, but we can't do it by throwing an elephant at them all at once. We need to be very, very mindful. This is not the time to use this as a way to build your brand. Like I, like if you've never if you've never had a book on, if you never wrote a, if you wrote four, five, six, seven, eight books, and you've never wrote a book on equity or cultural competence, I don't want to see you bring it. I don't want to see one published and out by the end of the summer. No, 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 no. That's, How many of you never read a book about equity? You can go there yeah. first. <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't need that doesn't need to be your first thing. I have no problem with all the edu stars that this is their first go, first go around with this. If you if you're posting some roundtables you're having and you're not the one leading them, you're basically sitting there as you're facilitating, but you're listening and learning. I have no problem with that, but to come out and start shoving things at, educa- at white educators like you're the expert. And it's not black educators doing it. It's white edu stars doing it. it. Like they really got to fall back because it's yeah. I can tell I can tell you now, black educators are looking at you like, come, come on. Nah, nah, you're, you're trying to build a brand. This is not the time to do that. Yeah. You're, you're trying to. I'm going to throw it to you just in a second, but usually I talk about like globally to locally and you're, you're saying really go local first, figure out what you got to do before you go global. So, Oh, absolutely. It's um, because what, what ends up happening is the, the messaging that you are creating is that you are trying to once again, do the same thing that a lot of white people do, which is to try and, you know, turn, um, the suffering and the pain of marginalized groups into mm-hmm. how to how can you capitalize off of that? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how it comes off. And if that's not the intention, well, that's what you're putting out there. And people don't people don't forget this. Um, it's, been the Ameri- it's been the American way forever. Yeah, it's like you know, never mind America the fact way. never mind the fact that it's just completely wrong. Oh yeah, um, and it's and it's racist. But it's just, it is, it is, you know, let me jump on a bandwagon so that I can figure out how to make this, make my brand look better. Yeah. Russell, what do you got? I'm sorry, Jerry. Oh, before, before you go to Justin, one thing, if any, you know, if any district leaders throughout the country are listening to this, I'm going to throw you a hint. You can save a lot of money. Don't start going out seeking who you can pay a lot of money and bring in now. I will say if you're going to bring in a Dr. Sheldon Eakins or somebody like that, yeah, go go for it. But if you don't really have those contacts or know like people like Dr. Eakins who to reach out to, 
your best part, like I just said earlier, your best part is to start local because you probably have a lot of black educators in your district that can be a nice starting point for you. Absolutely. Just saying. Justin, you got anything to add to that about? I mean, uh, first, what is an edu star? I firmly believe if you're in a classroom or you're in a school, we are all on equal ground. So I'm as good as every other phys ed and health teacher out there, and they're all as good as me. Uh, I I don't know a principal's job, so they're going to be on a different world, a different level. So that would Doug and Gerard, you all would be there. So we fall into this trap of lionizing people like, oh, you know more. You know, these people don't know more. You know more about your own kids than they know. And the whole idea that as you start thing, it really bothers me. Like, yeah, okay, you got 50,000 followers. You got 100,000 followers. A, I don't even know if you paid for them because I can get 100,000 followers tomorrow with $100. So uh, we could all do that. But the, the issue is we're all equal in that sense. So we sometimes fall into the trap that these people know more than us. And then we ignore what we're doing and don't place value on that. The second thing is, uh, at this time, get out the way, right? Just Bam. get out of the way. Yes, yes. So what is that? What is getting out of the way? So this is an interesting concept. I, I've had a conversation with a couple of white female teachers lately, and, and they they want to know what can they do, right? Like or, or even more specific, they want to know what can they post, right? Because they haven't been posting things about. Um, you know, social justice for years, right? So they're they're very new to the game. It may be their first or second social justice post, but they feel like they feel a call to action, right? They want to do something, and and I, and and I'm like, I don't I don't want to tell you not to do anything because I think something's better than so, nothing. So c- can I ask you? Is Absolutely. it is it what can I do, or what can I do to make myself feel better? It's That's probably what can I do to make myself feel better. I, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't pretend to, to know people's motivation. But so your suggestion would be just don't do anything. No, don't my, my first thing would be to question them about why now. Like, I mm-hmm. George Floyd died in a horrible manner. We we all get that, right? But what about all the people that died before him? Did they not matter? Like what suddenly now is the switch that got flipped? Why well, have you been with, able to ignore people? For what's so wrong long? with that idea of put me in coach? I'm the ready one, now. I've been training. I've been thinking about it. I'm just ready now because I got motivation. But really there's nothing wrong with it. We just want to analyze and be critical of ourselves. So are you being honest with yourself? Why have you not done anything before now? And then you have to start with that idea. And then once they can unpack their own garbage, then we could say, okay, moving forward, now that you understand you're not going to be the white savior, there's people that have been doing the work that you need to go find them and do some of the work on your own. Uh, and, And that's the idea for me. As a white person, what should you be posting? You should be retweeting and amplifying people who have been doing the work and are showing the resources and have written about it and have been doing it for years. So real quick then, to Gerard's point, you go local first, right? You figure yourself out first before you really put yourself out there. Right. You go local before you do anything. And by local, I mean inner. Like Mm -hmm. we should be analyzing every action and every word that comes out of us uh, before we do anything. Why am I doing it? What's my purpose? What's my value? Why am I putting my energy into this? And it's, I, I think you bring up an incredibly good point when you're, Justin, when you were talking about how, you know, you have to, you have to kind of look at it. What is my purpose and intention for speaking out? Because in a lot of cases, um, you know, white, especially this happens, I see this happen with white women all the time where it's a, you know, I, I, I want to make the pain go away. So I'm going to say the thing that I think that I need to say. And what ends up happening. Is it pain or guilt? It's um well guilt is a form of pain. Okay. You know, it's okay. like it's there's a there's a there is a pain associated with um you know wanting to like help other people but yet build yourself up so you become the white savior. You know, and it's like I'll hear I'll hear you know people talk all the time about how you know well um I I went and paid for these things for my students and I went and did this thing because of you know they needed and it's like but what is your intention in telling me this? You know, 
you know, it's if if you if you wanted to do something nice for your students because they genuinely needed that thing, and it was like I think that we had had this discussion before, where it's like I've had colleagues go, "Well, this this kid needs this thing." Well, how do you know this kid needs this thing? Well, it's just they come from a they they come from a disadvantaged background. But did you call the parents and have a conversation with them? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you you want to you want to be able to say that you did that thing for this poor black kid. So you're stepping in and now you're the white savior, you know, and no one's won in this. <laughs> so, nobody. Nobody. So they got, they got it, some they got some shoes they didn't want. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. So you, have <laughs> to, you, you have to think on that. You have to think on what is your intention behind this thing that the, these, these feelings that you have, what is causing it, what is making you uncomfortable. You have to really sit with that. Yeah. No, I, I gotta agree with I gotta agree with Dina. Like you, the intentions, and then I gotta combine that with ju- what Justin said. When it comes to those intentions of like, if it's guilt or you know you haven't been doing what what you should have been done in light of Colin Kaepernick, what he stood for, and, and all, all the other deaths and things oh, before that. Hasn't it? Yep, mm-hmm. yep. And everything what that what he stood for, and then everything before that. Now it's like like okay, if you've been very active on Twitter, I understand you still want to keep your activity. But like Justin said, I think this is the time where you can still like if you're if you're a tech guru, if you consider yourself to be a tech guru, blended learning or whatever, still post about that stuff. But then balance it with if you see a if you see a Doug or a Dina or a Justin or Doctor Eakins or a tool posting things retweet it they'll see that they'll see that you retweet it but people are still getting information that you're reading and that's a and that's an aspect of you're digesting and learning but you're not kind of trying to promote yourself so Gerard, i'm going to ask you a question and you can think about it for a minute if you're not ready to respond because this you might need to process on this one because we didn't talk about it ahead of time but if a white a hypothetical white female teacher came up to you and said like tomorrow and said gerard I'm, I want to do something like what could I do like right now in order to, to be a better person, to be more anti-racist, to join in the movement? Like I want to kick down doors, Gerard, whatever you tell me to do, you tell me to march down the woman tonight and march down the woman tonight and protest. And like, what do you think this white female teacher should do? But again, if you need to process that, we can go to the next question and come back to it. Yeah, let me let me because it's a it's a lot I could say. Um, go to the next question. <laughs> give, don't don't give me. I don't want to put on the spot like that. But no, you know what? Let's not go to the next question. I'll, I'll throw it out there right now. My first question, my first question to them would be, let's take a honest look at yourself, and it's just a conversation between us. How much exposure in either your personal life or professional life from? school age from kindergarten until your current role now mm. from when you, how much exposure have you had to black culture and i'm not talking rap music hip hop i'm not talking that because i i, I a lot of people, get, a lot of people get that mixed up well, no no that, i know that's a part of it but and that it goes deep it goes a lot deeper than that and, and if they come in they're like i watch blackish every week right is that like, mm-hmm. a, that's like a minus right that's like a minus sign Mm-hmm. Yep. Some people are like, I eat peanut butter all the time. <laughs> what is wrong with you? All right. Um, so that's an interesting that's an interesting question back to them. I, I, I would say, you know, I guess depending upon how they answer that, your next response obviously would be different, right? Yeah. Then that honestly, if a white if a white you know, female teacher came to me with that. Once we get past that question, then that's when, because I'm kind of doing it now with one of my what teachers. What if they said none? What if they said very little to none? Like, I knew a couple of black kids in high school, a couple in college, and then my neighbor down the street is black. But I don't really talk to that person. That and then, then, then that's when, because the conversation is going to stay between me and that person. Then that's when I'm going to yeah, ask. Yeah. That's when I'm going to really get, that's when I'm going to really get deeper and start asking about, Make the family ties to the black culture, whether it be wh- what have they seen interactions when they were growing up with their parents or grandparents with the black culture or or black neighbors or black friends. And then that's what we're going because some of this stuff is some of this stuff is systemic um, within, within certain communities. So I got to get to the 
the root because once we, you know, have a conversation, then that's when I can kind of give them some things that they could really start looking at first because depending on our answer, I might could lead them to certain literature or, mm-hmm. okay, this is what, this is what you may need to do. Like, and first of all, it might start with in their building, they may have only several black teachers and they may work on this in the same grade level in the same department, but they really don't know too much about that person. They've worked together for several years. That's a problem. Right. right. That is a problem. So I'm going to ask you another question in a second. And Justin, I know you have a particular way that you've gone about kind of putting your white okayness out there, but Gerard to that point. So one of the things that Justin and I have talked about, about a lot, um, is how do you make sure that the, the, the black people that you run into, let's just say for the first time, maybe you meet them in a conference or you meet them wherever in a social setting. Like, how do you make sure that they understand that, that you're not like, you're coming at them in peace, right? You're not coming at them. Cause I, I, you and I have talked Gerard, about how you kind of have to look the room out and like you identify black people or whatever. And, and like, it, it, that's something that's real. So how, and I don't care, Justin, if you want to talk about how, what you do, or Gerard about how can you tell if a white person around you is like cool with you or if they're just like, nah, this person's got some issues. Like mm. other signs, you know, I've talked about having a secret handshake, but every time I bring that up, everybody throws my ideas out. And now with the pandemic, we certainly can't shake anybody's hand. <laughs> I know. There's something where it's like, you know, like, yeah, dude, I'm good. Like we can talk about whatever, like we're on the same level. There's no need to make this awkward. Or whatever, because I know that's something that white people think. You know, I mean, when when I walk in the room, I I and I see people of color, I hand them paper clips. I'm like, yo, I'm I'm a good white person. Here's a paper clip. Here's a paper clip. I'm all right. You could be comfortable around me. Do you really hand them paper clips? No. Remember when all the white people were wearing the paper clips, and that was supposed to show like. I'm a woke person. I got a paper clip on my lapel or whatever. It is oh, I completely missed that. Oh, yeah. There was a whole paper clip thing uh, on there. And Charlemagne talks about, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not the white devil. Like you go up to people and you just say that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, I'm not the white devil. It's yeah, okay. Yeah. I, you, you can yeah. talk to me. So um, Charlemagne God has said, if you come up yes. to me, white person and say i'm not i'm not the white devil then he's cool with you like that's all you need he to understand it's like you're, you're woke quote unquote. Um, <laughs> oh. I, I do think though that this does kind of touch on an area that's really interesting because at my new school um they don't know what i've done and what i do in all areas so it's almost like every time you interact with new people uh, I don't want to say you have to prove yourself, but you're starting off at ground zero again. And I think we have to understand that, that people don't know what we've done. So I can't assume I'm going to get a reaction. Um, of so Justin, let's be real for one second. Is that feeling of talking to new people in a building when you're new to that building different for people of color and versus white people? Does it feel different for you? I mean, A, I don't know what it feels like to be a person of color, so I can't talk today. No, no, no. I mean, how do you feel? Like going into that relationship, do you go into it with a different filter? Maybe a feeling is is the wrong word. Do you go into that? So when I meet new people, and I'll be totally honest, I look and see color first, right? Black Mm -hmm. person, white person, the way that I approach that conversation or that introduction is different. So I'm asking no. you, is that thing for you? No, I don't think my my beginning introductions and all that is much different uh, okay. on there at, at all. But I also will make sure that our conversations uh, on when I'm talking to people of color, I do try at some point to have the conversation go to identity so we can start to establish like I understand identity and I'm working towards teaching my students about it so that they have a, a level of understanding about what I'm about and what I do. But when I first meet people, no, there's no difference for me in that yeah. area. How about you, Dean? I'm wondering. It's, you know, I don't think that I have, I don't think I've ever really had a conversation with a person of color that was 
centered around like the the fact that they may be black or you know it, it's at some point in time conversations about like my my race comes up um and it's in sometimes it comes up by accident mm. um just because it's a lot of people don't know that I'm part Vietnamese um right. because I don't I don't look it um so that does come up sometimes but um we um I don't think it's ever been anything that I've intentionally had I have had more conversations with my own son about that because that's and I, I can't remember if we had brought that up during a podcast episode or not. Um, but he and I have talked about it because one of the things that he he said to me was, you know, well, I don't want to offend somebody. So, you know, I, I am reluctant to use the word black to describe somebody. What and I said, Well, you just ask them, how do you identify? And um, you know, and I, I wanted him to make sure that when he is navigating the world, because he he is white, you know, it's I want him to understand that what your identity is and what somebody else's identity is. We also have experiences that dictate how we navigate the world. And your experience of navigating the world is going to be vastly different in some ways than somebody who is a person of color. So you need to respect their situation is going to be different than yours. And there is nothing wrong with that. And that is their truth. And you need to allow them to be able to express that in a way that feels comfortable for them. So that's interesting. I, I feel like I'm a lot like your son in many ways. Like, and, and I'm just finding that maybe I'm on the spectrum. I don't know. But he, that sounds like, so when I go into, and I, it's not just white or black, it's not just male or female, any situation where I go into talking to a person, I apply a filter in front of me. Like if it's at Wawa and I'm standing next to someone and I'm like, excuse me, the way that I say excuse me could be different depending upon who you are. And I know that sounds weird. Um, and maybe the words that come out of my mouth do sound the same, but I always am checking myself about how I'm saying something because I don't want to come off a certain way. Cause I am a taller, you know, I'm an athletically built white guy that, and I, and I don't want to come off a certain way to, you know, I want people to feel comfortable around me. And I know that sounds weird, but I just, it's something I've always, I've, even as a child, I've thought about, um, but as I become more self-aware about how I am or, or my position in the world or where I, where I fit in, it's something that's become even more hyper-vigilant than I'm just, and it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. And I'm not saying that it, it's just my w- way of processing the people that are around me so that I can then be more me, you know what I mean? More authentic about who I am. So well, did you just colonize autism? Did you, I just took that for the white people. He just took it on. He's like, you know what? I may be a little autistic now. <laughs> anyway. It, <laughs> it's, I, I do want, I do want to say that um, I, I think it is important to make thoughtful language choices. <laughs> you know, b- being an English teacher, this is, this is something that we try to get students to do all the time. And part of it is because, you know, speaking from the English teacher lens, Part of it is that I want students to understand that there is a power behind your words. Yeah. And I, I've said for a couple of years that my, my primary job for students as an English teacher is one, to get them to communicate with other people more effectively. And two, understand your words have power. And when people do not put thought behind what their words mean and how they carry, we see instances of things like we've seen the last 48 hours, you know, of talking about how, you know, governors need to dominate the protesters, you know, how, um, you oh, know, Trump, uh, Trump did a photo shoot outside of that church that had a fire in it yesterday. I know, pushed, right? Yeah. Oh my God. It's the, all of these things power. We can't even go there because it would be nonstop. And it's, it's several years ago, so back during during Hurricane Katrina, and this was these were um, these two images were were put next to each other. We, it, you know, when we teach when we prepare kids to take the AP language exam, we use the word juxtapose quite a bit, which is basically just a fancy word for contrast. Um, so they had put two images in contrast to one another, where they had two young black males. They looked like they were teenagers, and then it was a white couple, uh, male and female. And they put those images right next to each other. And in the image of the two black males, they were looting. But with the white couple, they were looking for food. 
And that got circulated and both of them were released by the Associated Press. And so there was a lot of a lot of discussion around, you know, you don't say that the white people are looting. Um, Mm -hmm. And so in the same turn, there was an image that uh, a tweet that was put out, I want to say Sunday from The New York Times, where they had three separate um, three separate. And I can't remember it was organizations or cities. And then each of those, their language choices were different. And right. it's an interesting thing to look at. And so I, I am always proud and grateful when I have a student who says, you know, well, I, I wrote it this way because I thought about my audience and who this was, who this was aimed toward. And if we can all manage to make those language choices a little bit more effectively, not only is it going to get us further in life, but it's also going to help us connect with people in a way that we had not been able to before because people will understand we're being thoughtful. Right. And Dina, that right there is exactly why I love you because that's what goes through my head when I think about my language choices. Like, who is my audience right now? Directly in front of me. Thank you. For <laughs> exactly. That's why I don't talk, uh, I try not to talk too much in this podcast because exactly what you said, that process of that is exactly what goes through my head every time I talk to somebody. I'm like, who is the audience in front of me? It's important. I mean, it's really important. to. I think it's important. I don't know. All right. Anything else on how to help white people be more white allies or co-conspirators? Anybody have any other thoughts about that that we haven't discussed yet? We can go on to our second question if not. Yeah, I think, didn't Ludacris talk about this? When he said, move, Mitch, get out the way. <laughs> get, out, get out the way. I, I'm second that. <laughs> but, right. but, but hold on, but Doug, can I be yeah. dead serious for a second? Yeah. On this, We're white dead. people, we need to, to show the other white people who did not know that there were social justice issues before George Floyd, like, I don't know where you lived, but somehow two weeks ago you didn't know, but suddenly now you know that there's a problem. We need to funnel them towards the people that have been doing the work. Yes. And Gerard said, buy the one book, right? Start with the one book. And then I'm not trying to give out specific resources. I I, I have one. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, go go tell them what, what, what's the one resource. No, finish your thought, and then I'll tell you my one resource. Oh, oh, you're gonna interrupt <laughs> and then tell me to finish my thought. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know what, Jeff? <laughs> um, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. But my idea is our dear guest. The, and Gerard talked about questioning the person first and then finding out like what, what's your intent, where are you going with it? Because that one resource, it's going to be different based on what the person needs. So mm-hmm. it might be white fragility. It might be white rage. Uh, it might be history of the South uh, and education that, you know, eight black hands are reading. Like mm-hmm. it all depends on what you're looking for and where you're going. But if you want to give just one resource, that's going to help everyone. Go ahead. Doug. <laughs> You know what? With that sort of setup, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give them your cell phone number, and they can just call you, and they can ask questions of you. What you, friend, smart Alec? I, uh, I, I think that's such a great point because everybody is in a a different spot in their journey towards you know being the anti-racist. You know, everybody's in their their different spot with that, and I'm certainly. I've certainly progressed further along than somebody else. And I, my, my most recent kind of like uncovering of something, cause uh, you know, contrary to what you always say, Doug, I don't always have the right words for something. And I, I have to like, I have to think through how I, how I'm approaching things, but I was listening to Brene Brown's um, podcast and she had Toronto Burke on. And one of the things that they had discussed, cause who did she have on? I'm sorry. Who did she have on? Toronto Burke, who um, basically started the me too movement. So she, um, one of the things that she kind of points out in that, because Brene Brown is a a shame researcher. And one of the things that they had discussed was to try and avoid throwing a level of shame onto people, because the, the last thing somebody wants to do is to feel ashamed of what they know is not appropriate. You know, Mm -hmm. they don't want to attach it. And, and, I have, uh, I would say probably in my earlier part of my journey, there was a level of shame attached to me, you know, me 
coming to terms with things I've done. You know, it's like I, I'm looking back on on how I have perpetuated systemic issues, how I have um, said and done things that have been on the line of being racist, how I, you know, in, in these places. And I certainly wouldn't have recognized at that point in my journey that I, that's what I was doing. But I'm comfortable enough in that discussion now where I could say, you know what, that thing I did, that was racist. Like, I, I'm comfortable enough with that now. I was not comfortable enough with that 10 years ago. But you, here's my thought on that. And I'm sorry if someone else is going to jump in. But my thought on that, I, I'm still blaming politics. Because in politics, they bring up stuff that you did in 2004. And it's like, you know what? Maybe I changed a little bit. You know, like Maybe I am a better person now because I learned something. Like Maybe I'm a flip-flopper. You know, And I think being a flip-flopper is okay. Because at least where you're at now is on the right path. I don't know. I don't know. You guys got me going. All right. <laughs> oh, but I don't think you mean flip flopper. Right. I, a flip flopper is like, I think one thing, oh, then so I think another, forth, then yeah. I think back to the original and I keep going back and forth. What what you're talking about is with new information, I grow. I do better. Right. And now, nowadays, Malcolm Little would not have been allowed to be Malcolm X. Right. And, True. And, and Martin Luther King, we know all these people when they were younger had all kinds of problematic views. And then as we grow, as we learn, as we see the world, as we travel, then suddenly we get new insights and we change. So I think that is is a really good point of, are we allowed to change? My, my ridiculousness at 25 should not be held against me in the same way. You know, a little bit, uh, depends on what was going on, uh, as me at 38. That's where, and, and that's where some of the where I struggle is um, for people who don't uh, who don't take responsibility for and own up to their actions that were homophobic. Like that's I struggle with that one because you know we'll we'll hear and see things that people said. 10, 15 years ago, you know, they'll come out because nothing, nothing leaves. It's, there's a footprint for everything now. And so um, when somebody doesn't say, when somebody doesn't go, you know what, that thing I said, that was homophobic. That does not mm-hmm. represent who I am now. I have grown since then, but it's, it's the refusal to take responsibility for that is what I struggle with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm glad people, when people embrace who they were at that point and say, I've grown, like, like I said, you know, I, I look at stuff now and I'm like, I can't believe that I did that. Or I can't believe that I said that. Um, and I'm, I'm comfortable enough in now, but when people don't take responsibility for what they said or they did, that was problematic. That's where I, I struggle. Yeah. It makes sense. But even in my term of using the word flip flopper is because of what, what I've heard, but all right. Anything else on this? Because I think this last question deserves a little bit of time and I know we're kind of running up on it. Let's get into it. Got it. All right. So Justin in the uh, preview meeting, happy hour time said, or asked the question is education activism. I think that's a great question. We've already had a pretty lively discussion, but Justin, do you want to speak to where that question came from and or the background around that or what you shared with us earlier? Yeah. I mean, so again, when we talk about this journey of where we're going and what we're doing for the world, uh, I'm critical of all my actions and thinking like, am I doing enough? So one of the questions that came up, I I believe Dr. Kendi uh, said it and he said, education is different than activism. And I'm reading a book now by Miles Horton and Paolo Freire. And they're saying education and activism are two different things. Um, and then I talked to Dr. Anderson, and she's saying, no, education is activism. So all, right, all these thoughts are – Let me pull this real quick. Sorry, because Dr. Kennedy wrote the book, How to Be an Anti-Racist. Carol Anderson wrote the book, White Rage. And then who, who was – what did the other two authors – what book what did they write? Uh, Paolo Freire wrote Pedagogy of the Oppressed, probably the number one book if I was going to hand to somebody uh, who I didn't know and I wouldn't do any vetting like Doug. That would be the resource that I said to people. All right. All right. Continue on. <laughs> Please continue but, on, my friend. Just trying to give people context that might not know. 
No, no, that's cool, man. Throw me all you want. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> so, again, the idea is, from what I understand, and again, I don't have a lot of the answers, but I have a lot of the questions over there, is activism, from what I understand, is more towards changing policy and changing systems where education would be changing one specific system. And are they the same thing? And those are the things I'm struggling with when I am looking at where am I putting my effort into. Mm-hmm. And where do you think you're putting your effort into? Are you trying to do both? Are you trying to do too much? Uh, no, that, all, are, you just my, are you just struggling internally because you don't feel like you're doing enough? A, I'm struggling internally because I never feel like I'm doing enough. All my eggs right now, um, as far as time, like money, I could spread out a little easier. But as far as time and where my attention focuses is towards education over there. So I'm, I follow politics, but I'm not actively working to elect people. I'm not caucusing. I'm not going around calling people. I'm not knocking on any doors. I'm not going to any marches. So when it comes to that kind of stuff, like the, those systems, I'm not involved. Now, education, I'm working on decolonizing my curriculum. I'm working on what is my bias in the classroom. I'm looking at what is the information and how am I delivering it in my classroom. And I think in that arena, I'm doing a lot. Mm. But is that enough? And I think that's always the question that is lurking in the back of my head. Hmm. Interesting. Gerard, Dina, Gerard, you haven't spoken in a while. You want to speak to that idea about is education activism and, and and then maybe even the deeper question because I think some of our listeners may be interested in like I mean if, if they're looking to us to guide them through this journey, like do you think you're doing enough? Like some I'm I'm with Justin many days. There's some days where I'm like, I'm doing plenty. Like today was a good day. Like I did this, this and this and I pushed this person. And then there's some days where I'm like, I don't know if I did anything but send out a tweet. You know what I mean? Like is that a thing? I don't even know. What do you think, Gerard? Uh-huh. I think this one, this one's a tough one for me when it got thrown out. Now I'm really going to be like, you know, searching my own thought process on that because I see holistically what is being said and I understand it, but there are certain pockets of education where if somebody puts their hands to do a certain work within education and certain things come of it, certain data comes of it and you see a problem that needs to be changed for that specific school district or even local area, it could lead to some activism for something to change. But yeah, that, so, that's one that's what I'm really going to have to be. I'm really, I, I really got to think on that one. I wonder too, though. So like you being a black male, Justin and I being white males, I wonder if our role in education is activism or whether or not they're the same are the same. Like you may be in this situation or this scenario, you might be that auditor, right? You might be that person that gives feedback. You might be that one that says, uh, because of my experiences, I don't think that you guys are really on point with that. Like that might be your role. So you might not be an activist. You might be more of a reactionist to what Justin and I do. Right. Like mm-hmm. you might be like, hold on, boys. I, I, your intentions were good, but let me call you in real quick and tell you the way it really is, and then you can take it from there and go talk to your other white friends. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just literally it. The thought came in my head because I think that's how I think the system should work. I think you should surround yourself with enough trusted friends that are of different races than you that you mm-hmm. can go to. I think the power is in who you know, not what you know. Because I think the, the, the power and who you know, those stories and those conversations that you have with those people are those things that you can take to those people of the same race as you and say, listen, I have spoken to. And, and that's different than I have read about or I think that or the history of this. I think you need both. I think you need the history and the explanation of why we got where we are. And I think you need the right vocabulary and the words and everything else. But I also think there needs to be that I just talked to somebody yesterday about this scenario, especially in these times. I called my friend yesterday about what was going on. And I'm telling you, they think it's messed up. And you can tell me whatever you want about this or that, the protest or this or that. Justin's got his hand down. Justin, put your hand down. (laughs) How long are you going to talk? It's been like 10 minutes. Let somebody else talk, man. 
This is why I don't even like this podcast with Justin. I'm not you know, <laughs> in, all honesty, in all honesty. I mean, I think that's important. I think I think there's I think there's space for there needs to be space for both. But um, so I guess Gerard, I guess to my point, what I what I started this with was you um, you may have a different role. You know what I mean? Like you probably feel like you've done enough, you've been enough, and you are enough, right? Whereas Justin and I are thinking differently. But anyway, Justin, I'm sorry. Go ahead, mm-hmm. sir. <laughs> our, our, our guest tonight. Our... His head is down. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah, I took that bad boy down. <laughs> <laughs> we thought about using that at one point, and it was like, and this is just weird because there's only three of us and I've seen hands. Oh, whatever. It, <laughs> Justin, what would you like to add, my friend? No, Gerard's talking. Huh? No, you, you had your hand up. Oh, he was just interrupting me. I just wanted Doug to stop talking. Gerard, <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to hear what you have to say. Oh, no, um, the only other thing I was going to add was I actually see what you're saying about the politics part because there's only so much, so many hours in a day. And if I start putting my focus on politics, then there are some kids in a building and some teachers that I'm leading that are not getting what they need from me. Um, so this is, this is de- definitely, I actually jotted this down because this is actually going to be an area of research for me because is it, isn't it, or is it a happy balance or happy medium in between? Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's a good point. It's a really good point. And I think what you're saying, I don't know, but I, it's, it makes sense that education should be activism. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I would. I, I'm standing by it is, um, and I and I think it, it, it. Somebody said a little earlier on. You know, it depends on who the person is, and you know, it just. I I think that one of my jobs as a teacher is to is to help students find their voices, um, but it's also to help students understand multiple perspectives. And, you know, and I, you know, and I'm thinking about that, that Ted talk, you know, the danger of a single, of a single voice, I think it is, um, or it's, I, I struggle with the idea that it's not, you know, it's just like when I hear people who don't teach say, well, you know, they need to remove the politics from the classroom. Everything about our job is political and people who don't Mm -hmm. do it don't understand that. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, if I hear I feel it, the activism comes in a lot of different ways. Like I, I have heard students say things that were racist and I have said to them, what you've said is a racist thing. And, you know, and we have some, sometimes we have some discussion around that. Um, if they say something that is homophobic, I address it with them. Um, and to me, that is a form of activism um, because really in the grand scheme, if you're looking to be a better human being, which is when I, when I explain to people when, you know, cause people will, will, they'll, they'll hear me say things about my role as a teacher and how my role as a teacher isn't just to teach the content. Um, and as a matter of fact, that actually is really less a role. You know, my job is to, is to help my students understand how to be better human beings, just like. I'm on my journey to be a better human being and I can't be a better human being if I am ignoring the suffering of other people. If I am ignoring how people have, you know, had had experienced injustices. And to me that is activism. You know, and, and you have it and, and and so you're further your point even I think you you be a middle school teacher, me being a principal of 400 and Gerard, what do you got like 550 in your school? Yeah, around that around that number. I mean, I mean, to that point, like you can influence in a more personal, regular, consistent way. And Justin, I don't have because your school like twelve hundred, right? There's, uh, I believe, nine hundred fifty. I mean, so and and you touch each one of those kids at some point, right? I mean, you you see them all, right? Yeah, it would be really rare for a kid to go through at the end without having me at some point. So, I mean, not to have that experience. I mean, how is that not you, you're? You're creating change on that level is to me, I think, I mean, how can you, if you're creating change, you're being an activist. I don't know how you can, and again, and I don't care if you're public school or charter school or whatever school, as long as you're an educator, I don't know how you couldn't be an activist. You know, we all have our lanes and this is our chosen lane, right? I mean, 
I don't know. I don't know how that's even, 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 even you can say you weren't an activist in that. Well, and if you go with, because I think Justin, you had said earlier on, you know, when we before we recorded that, you know, I guess Dr. Kendi's um, perspective on this is that if you are not influencing policy change, then it's not activism. But really, I mean, we have opportunities all the time as teachers to influence policy change. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, I do feel to you know that. To some degree, this is this is activism. Yeah. All right, can I hit you off with a couple of quotes real quick? Because I found it in my book uh, that was there. The first one says, "Education is before, it's during, and it's after. It's a process, a permanent process." And he's talking about education versus organizing. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. Can you say it one not, more time. I'm sorry. Can you say it one more time? Sure. He's saying. Um, he says that. Uh, people think that education comes after organizing. So you get together and you figure out the problem, then you edu- educate. Uh, he's saying, and this is, uh, I believe, Miles Horton, says education's before, it's during, and it's after. It's a process, a permanent process. Mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting. And um, he also says that solving the problem can't be the goal of education, while it could be the goal of organizations. Mm. And I think that that was huge because he talks, he goes on in the book and, and he really teases out the idea that organizations are willing to put the individual aside in order to achieve the goal mm. where education is not willing to shove anyone aside to achieve a goal. The goal is the individual. Right. And I think that was, that was pretty uh, profound. Well, I think that that should be the goal of schools. But that's not always what happens. So, mm-hmm. so maybe the issue is the word activism, and we talked about it a little bit before the show. But maybe education may not be activism, but maybe it's something like a like a second cousin to activism, whatever that word is. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is where I bring my knowledge. <laughs> but, it's a good area, though. Good area to yeah. be discussing. Yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting conversation. I don't know that it. I mean, it definitely will push a needle with their own thoughts about this, but I don't know if defining the fact that whether or not education is activism matters, because at the end of the day, the work that we're doing in schools is beneficial to humans, right? I think the question is not about coming up with the definition. mm -hmm. I think it's, is education enough? That's the the real question we want to hone in. And it's a personal question. Yeah. Like, is doing the work in your school enough? And that's you're the only one that can answer that. But it's not fair to ask teachers that question or educators that question. Because no educator has ever thought that they've done enough, right? If I asked someone that was in the banking industry or a construction worker, you know, if I was a construction worker and my job was to put in all the windows today, did you do enough today? Yep. Put all my windows in. I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, it's never fair to ask educators that question. And I think that's at the heart of why educators beat themselves up so much and always are looking for affirmation is because nothing's ever enough. I mean, I've never felt enough in my life, like ever. And I never probably will. And I've come to the point where I accept the fact that I'm never going to be enough for myself um, for many different reasons. But I don't know that most people have come to that realization on their own and they're always looking to do more. And then that's what creates, in my opinion, that's what creates burnout because you don't think you're enough. And then on top of that, you may have a non-supportive system that says you're not doing enough or you're not good enough or whatever. And then you burn out. But that's a whole different conversation and thought. But I mean, the question is, when you look in the mirror, do you think you're doing enough? So you have to ask yourself. Am I, and this is what, I guess I, I'm talking from my personal opinion. And that's all you can talk about. My perspective. Uh, and again, I have to look at myself after yesterday's conversation I had. Are my efforts enough of what I'm doing? So I'm making changes in my school. I'm trying to establish relationships in the community and with my students and my staff. I'm blogging. I'm tweeting. I'm reading. I'm growing in all facets. But is it enough that all my eggs are in the education basket? And that's my question that I'm trying to figure out that's been poking me for myself. And Mm -hmm. really, you're the only one that can satisfy yourself. 
I'm not worried about anyone else. I'm just trying to figure out when I look in the mirror, can I say I'm, and I, maybe enough is not the word, but am I doing as much as I could or should be doing? So, ha- so how do you how do you assess that? How do you assess that internally to think that you're doing enough, right? And I think this is a God, Gerard. No, I just had when, he, when Justin was talking, I was just thinking, um, thinking about the political realm and the educational realm, and and when you say about assessing, if uh, let's say. Cause I, I got to give a good time frame. So let's just say I'm a eighth grade math teacher, eighth grade LA teacher. Within the next five to seven years, would I consider my work successful if I help author a bill or something to get a legislation passed, or do I set or consider myself successful if five to seven years, I'm I'm receiving an email or a text from a former student mm-hmm. and I'm seeing all the things that they, and they're telling me all the things they've done and they appreciate me instilling some certain things in them. Me, I'm looking, I would, I will relish in that student success all day long where I don't really care about that bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I knew you were going there with that, but that is exactly, yeah, that was good. No, I mean, I don't know. Well, and I, th- I think a huge piece of this is how are you establishing what, like, are you doing enough? Like, are you comparing yourself to somebody else and going, well, you know, this person does X, Y, and Z, therefore I need to do more. That's a dangerous, dangerous path to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, when you start doing, and I had a conversation earlier today with a friend of mine, where we were talking about comparative suffering and it's like, you know, we're not, we're not here to say, you know, that my suffering is worse than yours or, you know, I, I have suffered, I, I've suffered too, therefore, you know, we're not, we're not here to do that. And we certainly should not be in our jobs going, well, you know, is my, is my level of participation good enough? You know, we should never be using the terms good enough to describe what we do for a living. Right. Um, you know, we need to be looking at, Am I doing, what purpose am I trying to serve in this? Is, is this going to make me a better person? Is this going to make my students better people? Is this going to, you know, you have to really investigate that. You can't do a comparison between yourself and somebody else, especially no, when their journey looks different than yours. Right. True. I don't know who said this quote, but I heard giving is the most selfish act, right? Giving up of yourself is the most selfish act because it makes you feel better about yourself it's like mm-hmm. you write a thank you card the thank you card really for the person saying or are you just patting your back saying thank god i got through the thank you card because i ain't writing thank you card <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> On that one. but yeah i mean you have a really good point Jared. i mean that's something to really think about i mean i don't know justin you want to say anything to that idea or justin's reading I mean, uh, for me like i said I don't know. I don't know how you judge your impact. And the problem with teaching is you really never get a true assessment of what you've done. And that's just, we have to understand that, especially at the elementary level and maybe even the middle school level. Um, You just don't have those same relationships with the kids and it's very rare. And when we do, we cherish that. Hey, your class made me think I could do this or push me in the direction of that. And those are like major victories, but for the most part, those are also unicorns. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So we will never truly understand our impact as a teacher. All we could do is hope we're setting the best environment uh, for learning, and we're you know creating critical consumers of information, but we'll never truly understand. So. For that, I I don't think we're comparing our efforts in the reward of the assessment. I think it's more of, as a human, what is enough to make me feel like I am doing something that's making an impact? Mm -hmm. And for some people, it may be education. And they say, listen, I have worked so hard in my classroom, and that's good enough for me. And Mm -hmm. to be honest, if it's good enough for you, then that's it. That's where it stops. You know, I don't need to please you. I just need to please myself in that area. And then other people, and again, this is where I'm wrestling with, I'm in the area of, I don't think education is enough for me, that there's more for me to 
be doing. So now my question is, how do I do more? And this is directly tied back to George Floyd is I don't feel like I've been doing enough. And therefore, what can I do? So when I look in the mirror, I can say, you're not wasting your time. Your time on earth has an impact on others and you're doing uh, what you were put here for. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like that right now. So this is lit a fire under me in that aspect. So it's an interesting thought because, you know, at one point I was a teacher, right? And I think my impact and, and, and Dina, you can maybe speak to this. My impact on my classroom was quality, right? So I, I love the book, um, the art of, of motor, motorcycle maintenance uh, or Zen, the art of motorcycle maintenance. And, it, and the whole book is about quality versus quantity, right? So as a classroom teacher, I felt like my quality was, was getting really, really good. And as I became an administrator, my quantity and what I, my who I could spread my influence over became greater, but my quality became less. I may have one or two students that I really connected with. I may have had one or two or three or four teachers or whatever that I really connected with. But my quantity became more of what was important. And, and it's not a great correlation to the book and what I'm trying to speak about, but I think the idea of – so, Justin, you said you, you're looking for more. Maybe there's more that you could be doing, but I think the quality in the work that you're doing is you're just not – I think it's an inner drive in you that's saying that that's, that's not enough for you. But I, 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 but I would caution you in to say when you get into the world of quantity, when there's less quality, it's a different mindset. Um, and I don't know, Gerard, if you have felt that way, but it's different. Like it's very lonely. So like the, the, the little bit that you may have gotten as a teacher, as that feedback, as far as growth, because you could always see your kids from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, all they grow mm-hmm. or how much growth they had. But as an administrator, you might never see that. I mean, you kind of see it in data. You might see it in a few kids. You might see it in that. But nobody in here is saying thank you for being my administrator, right? I mean, maybe a few parents here and there, maybe a few kids, but you know, you're, it's still that weird feeling i don't know gerard if you felt that way the same way or not yeah it is that weird and then it's like you you definitely seek out trying to still build bonds with as many kids as you can right um it's it, it's definitely different it's different um because you got that whole scale and it's like you're not like you said you see it in the data but you miss those those daily victories that the teachers get to see right well and it's different to learn that one word or whatever I think a a key piece of that too is that you you have to kind of do a purpose dive where you really think through what what purpose and you know why was I put on Earth you know what purpose is my life on Earth? Well, it's and I I had to do this because I couldn't figure out why I was experiencing some level of discontent within my job. You know, it's like I and, and I realized that. One, I had these skill sets that were being underutilized and I felt like I I needed to do more. So when Justin talks about needing to do more, I kind of felt that myself. So I get it. Um, But the other piece of it too is I tried to really be intentional with the time that I have. And I ask myself constantly, like, is this thing that I am willing to commit myself to because I'm the type of person where I say yes too easily to things. And then before I know it, I'm like, I've got 20 things that I've agreed to do. I've overextended myself and, and none of them are making me a better person or making life better. So I have to really examine that. And it, it's, if this thing is not going to serve me in some way, shape or form in terms of making me a better person, helping me make people better, um, you know, honoring my purpose for why I was put on earth, then I don't think it's something that I can say yes to, but I can say yes to these other things that are honoring me in that way. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Yeah, if I could follow that up real quick, um, I think a that question of what is the purpose of us being here should be everyone's driving question that mm-hmm. we we really hash out. Why are we here? And then the second one for me it is a little bit morbid. I think Doug, we've talked about this, is the idea that death is always around the corner. Right. We have a finite piece of time. Absolutely. Uh, So those two things together, why am I here? And I only have a certain amount of time to even be here. How can I make the most amount of impact with those two pieces of knowledge that I have, those two questions, those driving forces? And if you haven't really sat down 
and looked at yourself and said, okay, why am I here? Whatever your religion is, whatever your beliefs are, if you haven't sat and, and really thought about that, then maybe your actions aren't as purposeful as they could be. Yes. And also, if you don't understand that our time is not guaranteed, in addition to our time being finite, then maybe you don't have the purpose, the drive that some other people may have in creating their levels of impact. Nice. I don't know. I think next should be the final thought. Jordan, unless you got anything else. Nah, that was good. I got nothing on that. And we're at, we're, we're about up on a minute, uh, Pur- hour five. So. Purpose. All right, we'll see you guys in the uh, post-production. Hold on. Let me just start this and no one talk. Justin, you especially. Be quiet. <laughs> the panda. Uh, this is speaking education. <laughs> with, uh, Doug, Dina, and Gerard. Where I'm coming from. 15 years into education now. You know, what can I do to create this equitable space? And, like, you know, what- and especially for the students um, that look like me and that came from uh, my community, I wanted to Speaking educationally with uh, Doug, Dina, and Gerard.